Welcome to episode 24 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you've not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 19 is the first of two chapters in Act 4 of the divine drama that forms the second half of Revelation and which I explained in episode 17. St. John's perspective at the opening of chapter 19 changes from earth looking to heaven to a view from heaven. The illustration, John dictating Revelation, is a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek style at Mount Athos, Greece. I have divided the reading from chapter 19 into two parts, the first of which is verses 1 through 5. The illustrations for nearly all the slides in this episode are a detail from Jubilation over the fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an early 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation used in full size on page 154 of the AIC bookstore publication Revelation and Idealist Interpretation, and The Adoration of Christ, an illumination from the Saint Saber Beatus, an 11th century manuscript of Revelation based upon an earlier manuscript from Spain. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen! Alleluia! Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. The beginning of chapter 19 offers readers no invitation, as in Revelation 4 verse 1, to come up here, but for the first time since chapter 9, St. John is in heaven reporting what he sees and what he hears there. A great multitude in verse 1. The great multitude is known in the Western Church, largely thanks to the narrative in the Gospel of St. Luke, as the heavenly hosts. 
St. Paul and St. James called them, as the Hebrew people did in pre-Christian times, the Sabaoth. In Isaiah 1 verse 9, Romans 9 verse 29, and James 5 verse 4, which means God is the Lord God of hosts. They are also called the armies of heaven in Revelation 19 verse 14. In the Anglican prayer book Canticle, the Tedium Laudamus, God is praised as Lord God of Sabaoth. This great multitude breaks into joyful praise to the Lord in verses 1b, 2, 3, and 4. They begin in verse 1 and repeat in verses 3 and 4, and again later in verse 6, the only four uses in the New Testament of the Hebrew praise phrase, Alleluia. Phonetically, in Hebrew, it is Hallelujah. Yah, literally, praise to Yah, from the Tetragrammaton YHWH, the placeholder for the unspeakable name of God. The phrase can also be translated, if less poetically, as praise to the Lord. The Old Testament precedent is the 17 uses of the phrase counting both forms, Alleluia and Praise to the Lord, in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer version of the Psalter. In the King James Version, the last five Psalms, 146 to 150, often called the Hallelujah Psalms, either begin or end with Praise to the Lord. This unique use in Revelation is another indicator of St. John's extensive knowledge of the Hebrew tradition in which he was raised. Another phrase first heard in Revelation 4.11, in that case sung by the 24 elders before the 24 thrones, appears in verse 1. They say that to God alone belong glory, honor, and power. To this list, the heavenly hosts add salvation. The illustration is an oil on canvas by the Danish artist Jacob de Wet, painted in 1647 A.D. The Old Testament precedent for God as Savior is Psalm 106.21, and they forget God their Savior, who had done so great things in Egypt. In many of the Psalms, the Hebrew people praise God for their literal salvation from captivity in Egypt and specifically list his accomplishments. The prophet Isaiah was among the earliest to suggest God as Savior in the spiritual sense in Isaiah 19, 20, 43, 3, and 11, 45, 15, and 21, 49, 26, 60, verse 16, and 63, 8. And so do Jeremiah and Hosea. The illustration is an 11th century mosaic of the virgin birth prophecy of Isaiah, Neomoni Monastery, Chios, Greece. Among the New Testament precedents is John 4, verse 42, in which Jesus is called Prince and Savior, 
also as Savior of the world in 1 John 4, verse 14, and in Revelation 7, 10, the sealing of God's servants in episode 12, and Revelation 12, 10, the angel's proclamation in episode 17, as well as frequent use of similar words and phrases in the writings of St. Paul, St. Luke, St. Peter, and St. Jude. The illustration is a Christ Pantocrator apse mosaic at the Cathedral of Cefalu in Sicily, circa 1150 A.D., commissioned by the Norman king of Sicily, Roger II. It shows Christ with the ICXC legend, the Blessed Virgin in blue below center, the Archangel Gabriel at right, and an unidentified angel, likely the Archangel Michael, on the left. The phrase in verse 2, true and righteous are his judgments, was first heard in Revelation 16.7 in the doxology, or tenth song in Revelation, which was sung by the angel from the altar during the fourth of the bold plagues discussed in episode 21. The point in Revelation 19.2, as well as the song in Revelation 16.7, is that only a true and righteous God has the power to judge, and he has used it to destroy Babylon, from which smoke rises forever and ever. In verse 4, there is another use of a Greek word derived from Hebrew worship, Amen, for the seventh time so far in Revelation 1, 6, and 7, 2, 18, 3.14, 5.14, and 7.12. In some other New Testament uses, at the end of a prayer, it means so be it. But in verse 4, to which the translator has added an exclamation point for emphasis, it is a strong declaration that there is nothing more to be said. John will use it in that way again later in Revelation. In Revelation 3.14, Amen was used as a title of Christ. Verse 5 includes the 11th song in Revelation. A voice from the throne says, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. The phrase became one of the most popular in Christian worship in both the Western and Eastern Church traditions. In Eastern Church liturgies, the phrase is spoken by a deacon rather than the people or the priest. Great and small suggests universality, although it is limited to those who fear him. John used nearly the same term in Revelation eleven eighteen, the song of the 24 elders, upon the sounding of the seventh trumpet, discussed in episode 16, those who fear your name small and great. It was used in Revelation 14.7, Fear God and Give Glory, and Revelation 15.4, called the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb, discussed in episode 20 and 21. And finally, later, Small and Great appears again in Revelation 19.18 and Revelation 20, verse 12. The second reading from chapter 19 is verses 6 
through 10. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The great multitude from verse 1 reappears in verse 6, but instead of their voices, St. John hears, quote, the sound of many waters and the sound of, quote, mighty thunderings, both common Hebrew forms of describing the presence of God, mostly based on Exodus 19, verse 16, and first mentioned in Revelation 1.10b in episode 3, Revelation 8.5 in episode 13, Revelation 10.3b in episode 15, 11.19 in episode 16, and Revelation 16, verse 17 in episode 21. There have been many earlier references into the old, to the Old Testament precedents for the allusion to many waters, including in Psalm 29, attributing to God the making of the waters, which I discussed in episode 15, regarding Revelation 10, verse 3b, and episode 20, regarding Revelation 14, 2. Verse 6 also includes an important oddity in both the King James Version and the New King James Version. As in verses 1, 3, and 4, the voices say, Alleluia, or praise to the Lord. But then they add a title of God, saying, The Lord God Omnipotent reigns. In the Greek New Testament, the phrase is, Kyrios o Theos o Pantocrator. The phrase is translated accurately as either Almighty or Lord Almighty in all other uses in Revelation. 1 8, 4 8, 11 17, 15 3, 16, verse 7 and 14, and later in this chapter in 19 15, and again in 21, verse 22. Nowhere else in either the Old or the New Testament except Revelation 19.6 is this phrase, Pantocrator, translated as omnipotent. Every other major English language translation, other than King James and New King James, 
render it as Almighty. The Greek phrase is the origin of the Eastern Church title of Jesus as Christ Pantocrator, literally meaning omnipotent or perhaps ruler of the universe. In verse 7, the voice from heaven implies a conjoining of heaven and earth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. In verse 8, he announces the marriage of the Lamb that has come. This is a spiritual marriage with his wife ready, dressed in pure white linen, a traditional symbol of purity. And in this case, symbolic of the righteous acts of the saints. I will discuss the symbolism of marriage in its Old and New Testament context in the commentary on verses 9 and 10. In verse 9, the angel instructs John to write the fourth beatitude in Revelation. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The angel declares that these are the true sayings of God. The Old Testament precedent is the Hebrew tradition that the relationship between man and God was a marriage. Perhaps John had Hosea 2.20 in mind. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. The illustration is an early 18th century Russian Orthodox icon from the iconostasis at the Church of the Transfiguration in the Kiji Monastery in Karelia, Russia. Another precedent is Isaiah 54, verse 5. For your maker, with a capital M, is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. The illustration is a colors and gold on parchment illumination of Isaiah from the Siegberg Lectionary produced at Siegberg, Germany in the second quarter of the 12th century from the collection of the British Library, London, England. The clearest parallel in the New Testament is the image of Christ wedded to his church in St. Paul's commentary on marriage in Ephesians 5, 22-27. The illustration is an unfinished 14th century icon of St. Paul by the renowned Russian icon painter, Andrei Rublyov. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The final verse, verse 10, 
includes an idea which first appeared in Revelation 3, verse 9, discussed in episode 6. In that episode, I pointed out a translation error in both the King James Version and the New King James Version, which says, I will make them, meaning the Jews at Philadelphia, come and worship before your feet. The Greek word is proskuneo, which should be rendered in English as show homage, not worship. As you will hear in the next slide, the angel points out that worship is owed only to God. And St. John is taught that theological lesson by the angel in verse 10, when St. John, quote, fell at the angel's feet to worship him, the angel rebuked him with an exclama two exclamation points. See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. This is a restatement of the first and second commandment in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4, commanding worship of God alone and the prohibition of idols. The same angelic rebuke is repeated later in Revelation in chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. St. John here delivers a message from the angel, do not do that, which members of liturgical denominations like the Anglican and others who use crosses should always remember. The faithful may venerate such religious objects as icons and crosses or other church decorations and objects, and also persons such as bishops and archbishops, but always remembering that they are symbols only. They should be venerated. Worship should be reserved for and directed toward God only. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Next time in episode 25, we will continue our discussion of chapter 19 with verses 11 through 21. Other AIC resources for topics discussed in this episode include from the AIC Bookstore Publications in the companion book to the series, Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. Chapter 19 includes commentary on the text of verses 1 through 10, plus a full-size, high-resolution illumination in temper and gold on parchment of jubilation over the fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse on page 154. The book includes 51 illustrations from the Bamberg Manuscript, in addition, my primer on numerology and revelation is found on pages 7 to 11. The text box, small and great in revelation, is printed on page 152. And the text box, Lord God Almighty in revelation, is printed on page 197. In the writing prophets of the Old Testament, of the major prophets who are mentioned in part 2 of that book, Isaiah is the subject of chapter 1, pages 13 to 20, and Jeremiah the subject of chapter 2, pages 21 to 28.
The minor prophet Hosea is discussed and illustrated in Part 3, Chapter 1, pages 61 to 64. From Layman's Lexicon, key words or phrases are Alleluia, Almighty, Amen, Angels slash Archangels, Canticles, Commandments, Doxology, Energy slash Energies of God, Heaven, Judgment, Lamb of God, Marriage, Numerology, Pantocrator, Prophet slash Prophecy, Redeemer, Sabaoth, Salvation, Savior, and Worship. From the Prayer Book Psalter History Text and Commentary, the closing five Psalms, Numbers 146 to 150, all credited to David and known as the Hallelujah Songs because they either begin or end with praise to the Lord, are discussed on pages 331 to 338. Finally, from Christian Spirituality and Anglican Perspective, Part 4, Put Not Your Trust in Princes, includes examples of apostolic wisdom from two pairs of saints, First Peter and Paul, second James and Jude. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the home page, or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www Anglican Internet Church accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. 
we invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.